Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you guys out to another Dating Prep Podcast, a podcast designed to help you uh, date yourself and a love of your life forever. And today we're going to be talking about soul ties, healthy versus unhealthy soul ties to people. So if you're watching this live, do me a big favor and share this broadcast to as many people as possible because we're going to go um, page by page um, through my book, The Purpose of Freedom, a book that I wrote last year on uh, untying soul ties and uprooting strongholds. So good morning, not good morning, good evening. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you got hope you guys and gals are doing exceptionally well. We're gonna be on page 37. But before we go there, I want to just say thank you guys so much for those who watch live, those who watch later or listen later, whether on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud, or later on YouTube. Want to say thank you guys so much and thank you for your support and your continued support. Uh feel free to like, comment, share, and uh let me know what you're getting from um these uh these uh book club videos thank you guys so much we got a lot of people in here now but we're gonna get right into it what's up jennifer what's up what's going on girl how's everybody doing hope everyone's doing well eve madeline delissa sweet pea estella canessa jaretta i hope i'm saying you guys names right love tamara hope you guys and gals are doing exceptional if you got your books turn to page what's up the pumpkin old double zero if you um got your books turn to page 37 What's up, Aries? Everybody's coming in now. It's exciting times, especially when we can be able to help um, each other process um, the thing called soul ties. But let's go to page 37. But before I do, let's talk about the problem. The problem when it comes to uh, soul ties to people. Um, A lot of people are unnecessarily tied to unnecessary people. A lot of people right now, women and men, are unnecessarily tied to unnecessary people. Anytime you engage with a person that's not purposed for you, that's not a purpose person, a person that was divinely, uh, that's a divine fit for you, chances are there's going to be some unnecessary tie. That's why it's better for you to only uh, get involved with the person that God has for you. A lot of people think, well, well, how would I be able to know how to be with a man or be with a woman? But if you be with God in his essence, in his character, you will be able to understand not only who you are, but how to be a wife and how to be a husband. A lot of people are dating through trial and error, where it should be just engaging with 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 the perfected uh path that god has placed in front of all those who desire to be in his will but a lot of people are engaging with people that were not divine fits for them that were not supposed to be their friend that was not supposed to be um um their spouse the only two people you cannot control in your life to a degree based upon from zero to 18 are your parents everybody else is your choice and a lot of people are choosing these individuals for, for three reasons. They're choosing those individuals due to their them being immature, due to their ignorance, and due to their insecurities. The three reason why the three reasons why people are choosing unnecessary people into their lives, causing unnecessary uh, consequences, is due to number one, immaturity. I had a, a, a father ask me a question um, about how to um, help his son or daughter process. Uh, uh, or develop relationship with God. Now, I answered the young man, the father, and I said, a lot of young people don't even know what it's like or how to develop good friendships. They're learning about relationships. And I said, the best way for your son or your daughter to understand God is for them to learn from uh, from their close vantage point of their relationship, between, your relationship between you and God. And 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 when you think about a lot of people, uh, people are not um, maturing 
and understanding what true friendship is and what true love is. So a lot of people are bringing these friends and bringing these individuals to their life prematurely or immaturely because they don't even know what a true relationship is. The best things in life take time. The best things in life take time. Therefore, we have to be sheltered to a degree from engaging with certain people to help us not uh, 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 come with unnecessary baggage, or unnecessary consequences. Some people are just immature. They don't know the difference between a good friend or a bad friend. A lot of people's immaturity is just about, you know, or it, it, it connects with insecurity. I'm immature and I'm going to allow my insecurities to make decisions for me. Never make, make decisions when you know you're not mature or when you know that you're insecure. A lot of people bring people into their lives because they're insecure. And a lot of individuals who are narcissistic and a lot of individuals who are controlling, excuse me, a lot of individuals that are after um, control prey on the insecure. Nobody's going to come and, and, and push up on somebody that, that knows themselves. Nobody's going to push up on anybody who's strong. They're going to push up on people that eyes get big when anytime they get attention, where they feel like, like, like all of a sudden now I'm appreciated. Now I'm loved. You got to be very careful because a lot of our bad choices came from when we was immature and insecure. Do you struggle with insecurities? Are you immature right now? Look at your friends right now. Look at the man you with. Look at the woman you with and really think to yourself, when did I get connected with this individual? Did I get close to them when I was mature in Christ? Did I get close to them when I was secured in Christ? Or did I connect with them outside of that security? And there's a lot of people watching now, listening later, who, who, who are not secured in Christ. You got to make decisions from secured places, not insecure places. Yes, good question, Aries. What if your parents are narcissistic? The good thing about that is the good thing for you is that if you're if you're of age, you don't even got to worry about them. When parents try to live vicariously through their children's life, it shows that their parents are insecure. The good thing about your life is it's your life, and you don't have to let anybody control it. But so many people do not want. Uh, God to control their lives. And some people don't even want to control their own lives. They rather have people around them to tell them what to do. And you cannot make decisions from an insecure and immature place. Because when you do that, there's a sense of infatuation in you. There's a sense of, wow, I have friends now. Wow, I got a relationship now. There's a lot of people who got relationships. There's a lot of people who got a man who got a woman. I was life coaching um, 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 a couple of ladies this week, and they both have similar stories in regards to um, their concern about their singleness. And if you want coaching, come holler at me for the summer, and I, and I do singleness coaching. But what I told them was, I said most of the people that you're envying, they don't even they don't even live the life they post. That a lot of these people who email me are some of the people that I can go to Instagram page, and I and their email and their Instagram don't match. That they're saying they're in love, but they're messaging me talking about they don't even really care about her or don't really like him or they or or whatever. And that's where we got to get to a place where we do not uh, get so caught up in other people's highlights that we forget what happens with most of these people behind closed doors. And last but not least, why people choose unnecessary people and garner unnecessary consequences is due to ignorance. Ignorance. I guess immaturity and ignorance kind of go together, but ignorance. The Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. You better understand who you are 
it is not even a lack of knowledge when it comes to other people. It's the lack of knowledge that we have about ourselves. A lot of us don't know ourselves well because the more you know yourself, the more the more uh, on guard you will be in selecting people into your life. I don't just let anybody in my life. I only allow people who are God sent and, and anybody who God sends are going to be purpose people. You don't want to be around people who don't have a purpose or or around people that sucking off your purpose, uh, uh, gaining energy and draining you because they don't have no purpose. You want to make sure that, you know, like. I don't care. Like some people, I like to, to people I coached this week, past week, I talked about the beauty of contentment. That it's hard to control a person that's content. It's hard to manipulate a person that's content in Christ. And contentment and complacency are two totally different things. Complacency is not working where I'm at. Contentment is working where I'm at. Complacency says, you know what? I give up. I'm going to settle here. I'm not going to mature. I'm not going to grow. Content people say, hey, even though I may not like where I am, I appreciate these boundaries. I appreciate where I am. And I'm going to continue to work on myself while I am here. Immaturity, insecurities. And ignorance is the reason why people connect themselves with unnecessary people and suffering unnecessary consequences for doing so. Now let's get right into the book, page 37. For those who want to be a part of this online book club, go ahead and get your books on Amazon right now, The Purpose of Freedom. You can search Amazon by my name, excuse me, Joshua Ezzy. But let's get right into the first paragraph, page 37. Let's take let's take some time to discuss the differences between a healthy and an unhealthy soul tie. Before we get into more about people, let's talk about the differences between a healthy and an unhealthy soul tie. A healthy soul tie is a proper, somewhat balanced connection with another person or thing. A healthy soul tie is a proper, somewhat balanced, because there's no perfect balance with people. Because if a person, whatever, it's going to affect to a degree, a somewhat balanced connection with another person or a thing. An unhealthy soul tie is an improper, unbalanced tie to a purpose or a thing. Right now, each and every one of us are tied to someone or something. The question is, what kind of tie? Is this tie a healthy tie or an unhealthy tie? God created us, and well, I'm going ahead of myself. Let's keep reading. Now I'll break it down a little bit more. All of us are tied to something. The question is, what kind of tie? And I talk about it in my book. Here we go. There are nine things we either have a proper healthy tie to that leads to stability or improper unhealthy tie to that leads to a stronghold. And they are. Here are eight things we're going to cover in the next few weeks. People, places, products, perspectives, Purposes and passions, power, the past, and the person of God. But let's break down the difference between an unhealthy and a healthy soul tie. Each and every one of us are tied to someone or something, right? Will you discuss how people have unhealthy soul tie to God? Yeah, I'm going to discuss that a little bit later. That's on the bottom of my list. But to answer your question, I'll get to that in this video. Remind me if you feel like I, if it seems like I'm not going that direction. But to get right into the point is all of us are tied to someone and something. The question is what kind of tie? God created us to be communal beings. God created us to be 
or in this world. He didn't create us to be of this world, but he wants us to enjoy this world. And it's nothing, what I mean by this world, I'm talking about earth. I'm talking about what he created. I don't think God wants us to be sheltered from the beauty of his creation. He just doesn't want us to be overly congested or overly involved with the uh, with the impurities of what man has created. There's a difference between the earth and the world. The world is ideologies, principles, uh, uh, standards. The earth is what God created. Now, there are some principles. There are some things that, that are beautiful in this land. But 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 we have to get to a place where we understand, yo, why am I even here? Why am I even um, um, connected to this person? And you have to observe why. Right now, I am tied to how many people? I'm tied to my wife. I'm tied to my mom. I'm tied to my dad. I'm tied to my siblings. I'm tied to my mom. I think I said my mom. I'm tied to my brother, which is my sibling. I'm tied um, um family, uh, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law. I'm tied to my nieces and nephews. I'm tied to them. But those ties to them become improper when I, I idolize the idea of their position. So many people in their singleness have idolized the idea of marriage to such a degree that when a man and a woman does come into their lives, they have already heaped idolatrous uh, uh, perspectives on that person's position that whatever that person does affects them drastically. An improper tie to a person is when you, whatever they do, drastically affects you. <clears throat> and what I mean by that, they do something good because your identity is in them. All of a sudden, if they do something great, <clears throat> you celebrate them. And that's cool. The Bible says weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. But so many people are so invested in somebody that every move they make, everything that they do affects them. And that's why you have to make sure that your ultimate relationship is with the Holy Spirit, with God and the triune being. Because in understanding our relationship with him will help us be properly tied to everyone else. But an a unhealthy soul tie is, 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 is an improper tie to something to the degree that if that thing or person is missing, gone, or if something happens to it, you're affected. When people desire or overly desire certain conditions in their life, that if that condition was to leave or if that condition was to come in, their moves change. Now, don't get me wrong. If something happens to my wife, I'm going to be affected. But because I'm anchored in God, he will stabilize my emotions and help me navigate whatever that we're going through, whatever's going on with her, where I'm not depressed or overly elated to the point to where my idolatry, my, my idolization of her increases, but I'm balanced because of him. A proper tie to a person is when you engage with a person or a proper soul tie it's when you are balanced because your ultimate relationship with God is strong. So no matter what happens in my wife, what happens in my family, because I have a proper tie to them, there's there's no there's no depression and then there's no sole source of happiness, right? And so many people get lost in the two extremes because they idolize that person. Listen, your soul is, is one of the most delicate parts of you. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so many of us are mentally tied to a person or overly or are overly invested in a person mentally, overly invested in a person emotionally, 
that no matter what they do, our minds go crazy. Now, all of a sudden, their actions, and y'all haven't been dating in the last three years, but everything that man does, it messes up your whole day. The devil loves soul ties because he knows that I can utilize that person anytime I want, meaning the devil's like, I don't care how often you pray. I don't care if you fast. I don't care if you go to church often. Excuse me. I don't care if you talk to God. I do not care. If you haven't dealt with that soul tie, if you haven't dealt with that issue with that person, all I got to do is make sure that he's one of the first three things you see when you scroll on Instagram. I'm going to make sure that you see her at the mall today because I know it doesn't matter how high you are on God. If you haven't allowed God to fix that error in your life, I can use that person at any time to mess up your thoughts, to mess up your emotions. And now you distracted from working on your, the things you're supposed to work on. And now you all over the place. That's what he wants. Improper soul ties. He knows that, hey, if you, if you live vicariously through your children and you love them more than life and you love them more than God, then what happens if they don't want to go the way that you want to go? Now you're trying to utilize your motherhood or your fatherhood to manipulate them to do what you didn't do in your past. And that's sad that so many people are so insecure, so messed up in their heads, so, so emotionally attached to unnecessary people and things or overly attached to necessary things and people. That, that the slightest decision that goes against their idolatry drastically affects them. Are you insecure? Are you immature? And are you ignorant? Are you a person that is so tied to a thing that whatever decision or whatever way that thing or person goes, you're drastically affected? Let's talk about people. <clears throat> God created us to be communal beings. He designed us to be interdependent on each other. God did not create us to be isolated. He created us to be within a community. So all these people that's like, I want to be isolated, those people are being lured by the devil into a place of destruction. God created us to be communal beings, but it's only by his spirit that we're able to have a balanced connection. Outside of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be bad or poor connections between people. That's why we need his spirit to renew our minds about uh, uh, um, children, renew our minds about marriage, renew our minds about partnerships and businesses with whoever we connect to. Because if we don't have that mental renewal, then whatever happens between that community or that connection with that person now affects you to the place of poor production. God created us to be communal beings. He wants us to be around each other. He just wants us to be around each other properly. He designed us to be interdependent, meaning he doesn't want us to be overly dependent or overly independent. He wants us to be interdependent, meaning engaged, interlocked, balancing each other out, helping each other navigate, processing things. He doesn't want us to be so dependent on the person. He doesn't even want us to be overly dependent on him. There's so many people that's waiting on God and God's looking at you like, man, I've been waiting on you. Oh, I'm waiting on God to do this. Guys like work, do something. Show me something. Make it happen. But so many people like, hey, I'm depending on God. And God's like, go brush your teeth, your breast thing. Go do, go do, go be about something. Don't just be a hearer. Do what I told you. Or there's so many people that are so independent and they suffer silently. Publicly, they look strong, but privately, look, they're weak. So many people, a lot of ladies, a lot of men, they show strength in the public. I'm okay. I'm strong. I don't need nobody. I don't need no help. But crying over a movie, eating ice cream, 
every single night. He designed us to be interdependent on each other, sharing ideas, perspectives, and support. We have to be communal because what I have in me, the ideas and the way I see the world can support you. We were created to support each other through ideas. The idea I have will help you. I was We was created to share um, perspectives. Well, this from, from my walk of God, because, because what I've been through, here's a perspective on money. Here's perspective on marriage. Here's perspective on life. And we're supposed to share that because not everybody's story is written the same. And the way my story has written may help you. My chapter 33, which is my 33 years, my chapter 33 may help you with your chapter 27. So we have to be in a community because what you have helps me. And I'm never too mature and I'm never too old to learn. That's why God loves using coachable and teachable people. If you proud and a Mr. Know-it-all and a Miss I got it all together, Miss Strong and Mr. Prideful, you're not going to be effective. We all can be taught. When I walk with these kids, these kids critique, they teach me a lot. Even the Bible says, consider the ant. And so when we understand that we're supposed to be in a community, sharing ideas, sharing perspectives and support, then the community at large thrives. The problem lies, though, in the effects of trauma, touch, and trickery that oftentimes happens between people. The enemy wants to break up communities through trauma, through touch, premature touch, and through trickery. In moments of vulnerability, a memory wrapped in a feeling is birth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm ahead of myself. The problem lies, though, in the effects of trauma, touch, and trickery that oftentimes happens between people. Whenever we experience trauma, premature touch, or trickery in moments of vulnerability, a memory wrapped in a feeling is birth. I got to break that down. <clears throat> the enemy wants to intrude. In husband and wife relationships, father, mother, children relationships, congregations, communities, teams, businesses, he creeps in and affects them through trauma, touch, or trickery. And some of the things are affecting our lives and a traumatic experience happened years ago. He understands that the pro- the, 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 there are effects that happens when we go through trauma, premature ch- touch, and trickery. He knows that all I got to do is catch you in your moment of vulnerability. Immature people are vulnerable. Insecure people are vulnerable. Ignorant people are vulnerable. He preys on the immature. He preys on the insecure. And he preys on the ignorant because those individuals are vulnerable mentally. An immature person is not mature in in some area. An insecure person is not secure in some area. An ignorant person is not knowledgeable in certain areas. Therefore, there are vulnerabilities. And chances are all three of those are prevalent when we were children. So he, that's why he's after the children, because children, if I plant seeds, have the parents too busy to parent and I plant seeds of trauma, PTSD from living in the hood or, or living in situations, have them prematurely touched. 
or utilize some type of trickery, right? Then all I got to do is wrap those thoughts with feelings and mess them up. So even by 27, they're still affected by that traumatic experience, that premature touch, and that trickery. And it happens throughout life. But only Christ can heal you from that. We have to understand that we can no longer allow what happened to us at 8, 15, 24, or yesterday to have reign and dominion over us, especially when we have the solution now. So the enemy knows I got to attack you in your place of vulnerability. I know you're not mature in your manhood. Therefore, I'm going to attack you. I know that you're insecure about your looks, young lady. So I'm going to attack you from this angle. I know you are completely oblivious of what this food is doing to you or what this emotional eating is doing to you. So I'm going to creep in. And he does that often. He knows all I need is a memory wrapped wrapped in emotion. <clears throat> you will never forget significant moments. You'll never forget significant moments. He knows all I got to do is utilize your immaturity, your insecurity, and your ignorance to get you into a significant moment, a moment of significance. Everybody right now watching me who's not a virgin remembers your first time. Every person who 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 has gone through anything traumatic, premature in touch or trickery, you can't forget it. And the devil knows, hey, <clears throat> he knows his his greatest weapon against us are memories. His greatest his greatest weapon is memories. The Holy Spirit's greatest weapon is against that is changing the way you remember. The devil knows you will, you will never forget significant moments, no matter <clears throat> what they are. If it's significant, you're going to remember it. But the Holy Spirit, you know what he does? He doesn't take the memory out of your mind. He just changes the way you remember. Now, instead of that place being a place of residence where you live over and over and over again, it now becomes a place of, 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 uh, of, um, what, what did I say in my normal saying? Residence reference. Now it becomes a place of reference. I refer to this when I need it to help reach somebody else. And what happens is we live in our past more than we live in our present. And we forget that the Holy Spirit can help us remember properly. But the devil knows, man, you ain't going to never forget it. You ain't going to never forget Jimmy. You ain't going to never forget Susie. You're going to never forget what your mama said. You're going to never forget it. And so what he wants you to do is dwell more on that than on the person who is Christ through his spirit. Help you change the way you remember it. How do you see your past? How well do you remember? How well? How do you remember? <clears throat> how do you remember? We got to remember better. We got to look back and say, I remember a time. That's why I love the word message. A message is an aged mess. It's something that was a mess, but it has aged. It has grown. Now, all of a sudden, now I have a message because I've matured from that place. But we got to remember differently. We got to look back and remember differently. If not, those memories will be wrapped in an emotion. And all the devil has to do is bring Jimmy around, bring Susie around. And now, back in the day, 
It was easier to avoid people, but now it's difficult to avoid people because now we have social media. Now you can look at his Instagram page and see what he's doing. And it's crazy how we keep going to the places of hurt and we keep hurting ourselves. It's best for you to address it than to avoid it. We got to stop avoiding what needs to be addressed. You got to address that issue. You got to address those feelings. Yeah, everybody got Facebook. You're right. We got to address those issues and say, why do I hate this man? Why do I hate this young woman? Have you forgiven them? Because if not, the devil's going to constantly use that memory wrapped in emotion, that bacon, <laughs> that, that bacon wrapped shrimp, that bacon wrapped steak. He knows <clears throat> if I can wrap that memory with an emotion, then I can always trigger them because I want people emotional, not spiritual. The devil's ultimate objective, you can see it on Twitter, you can see it on social media, no matter what topic comes out, you see extreme emotional sides. He wants us emotional because emotional people are not rational. He wants this on ice and this on flames. He doesn't want these two working together. God gave you a mind and God gave you emotions to aid, to assist, to help develop you. How do you address feelings against your parents? I had to stop on there because that's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. How do you address feelings against your parents? You just have to be honest with yourself. The, the Bible is very clear about forgiveness. It says you can't forgive your brother whom you can see. Or how, how can you love? How can you say you love me if you don't love them? He says, if you don't forgive them or they trespasses, I won't forgive you. So ultimately, we have to do a comparison. The ultimate comparison is not their sins to me, but my sins to him. That then gives you a humble state of mind that if God can forgive what you did in the con contribution of him being placed on that cross, then it helps you to be softened in your mind to forgive them. And the same God that looked off that tree that he was crucified on and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's the same spirit that will help you see your parents differently. Because when you engage with the person of God, it gives you empathy for everyone else. Now, if they're continuously affecting you and damaging you with their words or their actions, you cut them off, especially if you're 18, especially if you're on your own. Cut them off, get them out of your life. Because the Bible talks about that he's like a sword, that he'll put mother against father, I mean, mother against daughter, father against son, because your way of life may not be what they have idolized in your life going forward. Now, if, if you are, if this is your first time addressing your parent, this is what you do. Before you even address anyone, who's a, this is a teaching moment for everyone. Before you address anyone, address God. God, I believe that, that you are who you are in my life. And I, and I pray and I believe that you will set up the right time, the right place, the right conversation for us to at least be peaceable or for at least me to make peace, to be a peacemaker. Now, if they don't take my peace, then you do like what he told the disciples, dust the feet off, dust the dust off your feet and move on. But you go to God first. God, I believe that you will set up a great time and a place excuse me, for me and my parents to have a discussion. It happens all the, it's happened to me many times, not with my parents, but with anybody that I have art with, <clears throat> that may have offended me or whatever. God set the stage for us to have a conversation. And when a conversation is had, 
the presence of God is there and, 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 and whatever needs to be birthed out of it is needed. Whatever revelation needs to be revealed is revealed. So then go about your life and then watch. Your mom may call you, your dad may call you. And there, and all of a sudden, God has set the stage because sometimes we try to plant seeds and grounds that have not been toiled. That's why you go to the farmer who is Christ and you say, Holy Spirit, to Christ Spirit, toil their hearts for me so that when it's time to present the seed for them to understand me, their heart will be softened and help you navigate. Oh, y'all asking questions. Let me get through this and I'm gonna get to y'all's questions. Um. Ooh, y'all got good questions. Y'all got good questions. Um, the Holy Spirit wants me to answer them. I, I feel led. Let me, let me, um, my partner did the silent treatment and today I saw how it's trapped, how it's a trap into, yeah, the devil will use, and sometimes the people that's closest to you don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know why they're in their feelings. They're like, why do I feel this way towards you? There's been times where my wife and I have gotten into arguments or, or whatever, and at the end of it, we're like, what's going on? Why, why do we even get here? And we realize, hey, the, it don't matter how saved you are. It doesn't matter how close to God you are. It doesn't matter what. You are still usable if you're not on guard. And sometimes you'll be like, we just made this mountain. We made a mountain out of this little molehill. And what you have to understand is, hey, your partner, whoever that person you with, do not allow anyone power over you outside the Holy Spirit because whoever you give power to will push you. Look, me and my wife have this thing. Hey, if I'm mad at her or she mad at me, we told each other, neither one of us going to steal each other's joy. You didn't give me this joy. She, I didn't give her her joy. So what that means is, hey, if you mad at me for no reason, if I'm mad at you for no reason, don't let that steal your joy. Keep moving on with God. And what happens is when they see you joyful, your kindness towards them, the Bible says it reaps coals of fire on their head. So if you get caught up and wrestle with flesh and blood, then you get yourself jacked up. What most people do is, why are you mad at me? What's going on? I've learned to walk away in my own business. Now I'm just talking about my wife. I'm talking about anybody. People can be mad at me all they want, whatever. I move on about my life. I'm not going to allow them to rob me of what joy will bring me in that day. So it doesn't matter what that gentleman or lady is doing in your life. You don't get caught up in that wrestling match with that person, which then leads to rejection. Let them look stupid on their own. That's what I've learned. Let people look stupid on their own. If they want to be silent, you be talkative. They want to be silent, you be kind. If they get in mean, leave them alone. If you ain't married to them, hey, man, I'm going to leave you to yourself. What most people do with silent treatments, some people who still doing silent treatments are insecure people. You might want to question that relationship. If they're still giving you silent treatments, we're not talking about silent treatment means you don't know what's going on. They're not talking. You're confused. Now, if a person needs to be alone, they have already communicated with you. Hey, I need some time. We're not talking about that kind of whatever. But silent treatment means insecurity, which is a red flag. How do you forgive someone when they are still doing things you're trying to forgive them for? Get, disconnect yourself. We'll, uh, don't even get into a relationship like that. How do you forgive someone when they are still doing the thing? Because they're, they're doing that same thing for control. And if you keep letting them, then they're thinking I can still do. Listen, you teach people how to treat you. That's simple. Teach people how to treat you. I will not tolerate this. You got to be tired of how you listen. 
I used to be a softie back then, man, because I, I was insecure a lot. And and I will I will hurt myself in helping someone else. I will hurt myself because I always wanted to be around people, right? Well, 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 don't leave, don't leave me, please, please, please. No, no, what I've learned is no, I'm too valuable to be mistreated. You're too valuable to be mistreated. You got to put a stop to the mistreatment by not giving them a clearance to think that it's okay. You got to tell them, yo, it's not okay. And you got to ask yourself, why am I allowing them to still do this to me? Because you'll never forgive them if you never give yourself a chance to go forward. Forgiveness to forgive is, is I gotta, it's for me. I'm giving myself my freedom to go forward. I forgive so I can go forward. I'll give. Uh, forgiveness, I give this to you. I'm actually giving this to me so that I can go forward. And you got to look at yourself and say, man, why am I still in this relationship? They're going to keep doing it because they're probably immature. They're probably insecure or they're probably ignorant. And when you keep being around those people, tra another traumatic experience is going to happen. And all of a sudden, now you got, they now they got this emotional attachment and mental control over you, keeping you. So what you got to do, hey, if they keep distance yourself, you owe nobody nothing. I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care who it is, your dad, your sibling, your friend. You owe nobody nothing. Now, if you in a marriage, that's when you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you navigate that. But the, even then, I don't believe in divorce, but I do believe in, look, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go stay somewhere else. We got to separate from some time. Or let's go to counseling. If that person want to go to counseling, hey, I'm still here for you, but one of us got to go. If that person's heart is so hard that they don't want to change. But the Bible does say, hey, that person out there sleeping up against you. And they cheating and he made a way, but that wasn't his intention from the beginning, etc. Uh, besides family trauma, when it comes to racism trauma, that's difficult to avoid or forget because it still happens to this day. Let me tell you some of my areas about racism. Racist people are insecure, it's a mindset. What helps me? I get man, listen, there's racist people. I don't know, say I don't think I meet racist people every day, or I'm talking about interact. There might be racist people around me, but when I interact with a racist person, see, I'm not of this world. My my king is colorless. You know what I'm saying? I live I, I live with kingdom mindset, with kingdom moves and kingdom motives. So when I interact with a racist white person or a racist person, per person, period, even a colorist, a colorist in my own uh, nationality, my own race, I chuckle because you insecure. The the problem is is when the person who's receiving racism is insecure as well, then it becomes an insecure battle between color. I'm too secure to be caught up with a racist person because I know for a fact you didn't create me and your views against me is going to be destroyed one day. And ultimately, you can't control my life because promotion doesn't come from a white man. Promotion doesn't come from a black man. My promotion comes from God. So we got to get out of this insecure place now, I'm not talking against you. This is just a teaching moment for all of us. This, oh, the racism. Man, I, don't, I ain't afraid of no white man. I ain't afraid of nobody who, I don't care if you got money. I don't care if you white. I don't care who you is. I know who my God is. And racist people are insecure people who's looking for control. Racism is insecurity. You're racist because you must like my color. You must like my shade. You must like my athleticism. You must like my intelligence. You must like my creativity. You must like my wit. You like it so bad, you hate yourself. Racist people, colorist people, any other person like that are insecure people that like you more than they like themselves.
A racist person likes you more than like themselves and they hate that they can't be you. It's that simple. Um, boy, everybody posting that question now. I feel the release to go back to my book. Let's get right back into it. All right. He wants us to be emotionally connected to a memory, to a moment. A memory is just a is just an emotional connection, or or a memory is just a significant moment. Excuse me, guys. Excuse me. It's just a significant moment. I ate good before I got on this podcast, so forgive me. I was, you know, bourbon man. I had had a good had a good meal. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we have to understand that emotions are not always factual. They're just indicators of a present mood. They're not factual. They may be, they may show or resemble the facts that you're going through. But even like when you look at racism, your mind has to be stronger than your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some moments where you need some redemption. (laughs) You're going to need some Holy Ghost real back, like real your back, because there's people can do certain things that in a moment can uh, conjure up an emotion. But you have to be able to say, you know what? But your, your responses to things that happens in your day is predicated on how often you spend time with God previously. Spending time with God is or talking with God is just not reserved in the 10, 20 minute time that you dedicate on your knees to prayer. No, I talk to God throughout my whole day. I'm with God all day. So when something happens, I've been talking with God and his spirit helps me. Yes, cheaters are insecure too. Uh, cheating is, is all about ego. You know, people, people, people cheat, men cheat for ego, women cheat for emotions, right? Emotional connections. And so when a person cheats, chances are they don't know because secure people want security. Going outside of your wife, going outside of your husband shows that you're an insecure person and don't know what true security is. Because when you step out and the darkness and what you do in the dark comes to light, now everybody, now you're not secure. But we'll get we'll get to that in the video another day. But let's keep going because I want to get to trauma and how do we overcome the traumatic experiences that we have had with people. God designed for love, care, selflessness, empathy, and discernment to be the catalysts of our relationships. But due to our fallen nature, we sometimes lose the ability to manage each other with these traits. It is my responsibility to manage my marriage, not uh, micromanage. Like, well, I'm all, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. No, no, no. It is my responsibility to do my part to manage well, or in other words, steward my relationship. If you're not a good steward in your singleness, you're not going to be a good steward as a married person. If you're not a good steward in your own life, you're not going to be a steward in any extension of your life. God wants us to be stewards of ourselves, understanding time management, understand wholeness and balance and and, and the power of the word no. If you don't have that balance in your own life, you're going to cause the unbalance in somebody else's life. And we are supposed to manage each other. That's why I, I set my life up in my singleness so that my marriage can be more manageable. So what I did, I managed my singleness to a degree where when I get married, I am now able to manage it well. 
And uh, and what, what's wrong with people is they're not managing their singleness, then they mismanage the marriage. Because how you manage at this level will determine how you manage at the next level. If you can't manage the store, what's going to make you think you can manage a regional, a region of stores? What, if you can't man, manage a region of stores, what makes you think you can manage a, a greater region? God cares about management. If I manage my singleness well, you're right, it's all about balance. If I manage my singleness well, then when it gets to marriage, how I manage my single life, those same principles comes into my married life. And now I know soft answers and how to use them. I know what to do and how to invest in the relationship and make her feel secure and stable day in and day out. And, and, and if I'm poor with money in my singleness, I'm going to be bad with money in my married life. So you have to be balanced in order to manage the next level. That's why you got to set yourself up for your future self. Meaning I busted my butt in my 20s. I did, right now we got 1,400 videos. When I was married, I had about 1,300 videos. I had six books. That's six plus two card games plus, plus other revenue streams. So now when I'm married, now because of how I manage my money and manage my resources and manage my ideas, now I'm able to manage my marriage stress-free. I don't got to worry about check the check to check the check. No, I, when, that, when that money drops, that money drops. And now all of a sudden, not only does the main job drops, but the, but the, the other jobs and the other ideas drop. But now I'm constantly preparing and managing myself as a husband. But I'm also getting myself ready for children. And I've told you this many times in other videos. A bad man, listen to me, ladies, a man who does not think about his children's children is not a man that you should marry, period. A man and a woman has to be legacy-minded. And fellas, don't even engage with a woman who doesn't think about her children's children. Because those who think about generations they generate things now. Woo! Those who think about generations know how to generate the right things now. I got to generate things now for my next generation and a generation after that. And that's where we got to be. But because of our fallen nature, we lose our ability to manage it all. God wants love, care selflessness, empathy, and discernment to be the catalysts, the, the pillars of relationship. He wants love, real love, tender but tough, tender and tough. He wants thorough love, genuine love. He wants care, like, yo, I care for you. Like, like empathy, empathize, and I care. And you see it in my actions. He wants selflessness where you don't even think about yourself. Man, that's why you people are so selfish and they wonder why none of their relationships work. That's why you got to make sure before you get with anybody, are you selfish or selfless? You don't want no selfish sex. You want selfless sex. You don't want no selfish marriage. You want a selfless marriage. You don't want, I mean, you don't want a selfish husband or a selfish wife. You want a selfless, but you got to be it too. Selflessness is what keeps relationships soaring. Selfishness sinks them. He wants discernment too, man. A husband has to be discerning who he allows around his family. A wife has to be discerning about her words and her emotions. A man has to be discerning about, about his interactions outside in the workplace. You know, you got to be discerning. You got you to gotta build that up. 
All right, next thing. Let's break down the effects of each one, starting with trauma. Here we go. We're going to talk about trauma, and then we're going to talk about the people to avoid connections with. Let's break down the effects of each one, starting with trauma. Trauma is a state of mind where a person is the most lost. Okay? This mindset is birthed out of a deeply disturbing experience that was unexpected, such as a loss in the family, sexual or domestic abuse. You have to understand, the devil doesn't come at you, the enemy doesn't come at you face to face. He wants to come at you at an angle where you least expect it. Because the because because if I hit you and you don't see it coming, you're hurt. They say in football, it's the hits you don't see coming that hurts the most. Not the hits you see coming. The hits you see coming, you can tense your body up. You can, oh, I, I see it coming, I'm going to get hit. It's the hits you don't see coming that becomes traumatic. And we have to understand how to manage the unexpected. Discernment is key. Because the Holy Spirit is not a spirit or God is not a God that doesn't warn. Every person, hear me closely, every person that was in the Twin Towers on 9-11 were all warned. Sinner or saint, all was warned. Because you know why? In order for God to be a just God, he has to warn everyone so that if they die and stand before him, they can never say that God never warned them. And most people like, you know what? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to my mama? I'm pretty sure your mama got multiple warnings. I'm sure your dad got multiple warnings when he was eating that food and now he had a heart attack and died. He was warned. When you got in that car accident, you lost your arm. You was warned. I don't have to, when God tells me to go left, turn left at a light, I don't care about the inconveniences of what this thing turned. I'd rather be inconvenienced in obedience than to be inconvenienced for disobedience. So many people get mad, God, when it's going to inconvenience me. Be inconvenienced. Yes, you inconveniencing your singleness, but you better be glad you ain't married, married Joe. You in, yeah, you inconvenience. Yeah, you want a man now, but it's better to suffer the pains of inconvenience in obedience than to suffer the inconvenience of disobedience. Because I don't got to worry about what God don't have to reveal to me why he doesn't want me to go that way. All I know is I'm going the way he wants me to go. And every person that was in that build, those buildings on 9-11 was all warned. And they all died. People be like, well, God, why did you allow it? God said, well, they didn't listen to my warnings. And how many warnings is God giving you right now? And a tractor trailer demonic truck is coming your way right now. We're not talking about <clears throat> what happened when you was a kid. But you better heal from that quickly because the traumatic experience of your past when you was a child <clears throat> you know how you overcome a traumatic experience from your past? Taking a deep breath. You survived it. It didn't kill you. So why are you still letting it kill? Well, if it didn't kill you, why are you allowing it to keep killing you in memory form? It's crazy how many of us <clears throat> are allowing something that didn't kill us 
to kill us now through stress, through anxiety, through drugs, through, 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 through another partner. You see what I'm saying? It didn't kill you back then, but now you allowing the memory, which is not even tangible now, you allowing the memory of that thing to kill you now. If it happened in your past, praise God that you survived it and let that mess age so they could become your message so that you're able now to help the others that are now invested. That's why I tell people heal up, heal quickly. Don't be like Kevin Durant. You got to tear your Achilles. You go back out there. You heard it worse. No, heal quickly. Heal now. And because that's why I told I told the young ladies this week, I said, don't, don't, don't listen to a person whose advice doesn't match their life. I said, don't listen to people who, who, whose life don't match their advice. You know why? Because their life don't match their advice and they got the wrong tone with their advice. Now they're trying to tell you to do something, but it's coming from a hurt place. And people, and this young lady was, was, was bothered with their family. Let me encourage you ladies out there. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 35 and ain't got no man, don't got no kids. I don't care if you're 40, but you desire to be married. You don't got nobody in your life right now. Have you thought about Sarah? Have you thought about these people who was old? God made your womb. God, God is the one that has somebody for you. And do not allow your family to make you feel rushed in a situation that they're not going to be able to suffer the consequences for. I don't care what your mama got to say about how long. People who talk about marriage all the time and trying to hook you up is probably not happy with their marriage. Stop allowing unhappy, unhappily married people force you into a marriage so they can no longer envy how great your singleness is. The reason why these people always got something to say about your single life is because they want you to suffer in marriage like them so they can stop looking at you living your best life Ain't gotta come home with no 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 uh uh Joe. You don't gotta come home to this person that's ruining your life. They envy you. Be proud of your singleness and you tell them face to face, yo. God has a unique, God has a special reason for my singleness and I'm going to enjoy it. People who are happily married, you know what their advice is? Baby, marriage is great, but it takes work. Take your time, baby. That's what happily married people say. Unhappily married people say, you're still single. I need some grandbabies. They they try to live through your life. They try to control your life. And then they're insecure about their own situation. Happily married people give advice differently. Unhappily married people want to force and rush. Happily married people, pace yourself, baby boy. Marriage is a blessing. Marriage is great. They do talk about the good things of marriage, but they also say marriage is work. Take your time. Hope you understood that. But we got to understand that the price that Christ paid on the cross for us can set us free <clears throat> from, no, from, from any traumatic experience. But you have to change the way you remember those moments. Because you should not be 
You should not allow something that's 15 years old, 20 years old, five months old, five weeks old affect you right now. The more you allow that trauma to affect you without you addressing it, it's going to mess you up in the future. Let's keep going. This mindset is birthed out of a deeply disturbing experience, deeply disturbing. That was unexpected, such as the loss in the family. Don't get me wrong. You're going to be sad if something traumatic happens, but you have someone that softens. You know, life, you know, if something bad happens in your life, you have the opportunity, if, especially if you're alive, to keep living yours. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I Trust me. I understand the delicacy of traumatic experience. So bear with me until I get to that place where we're able uh, uh, to, 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 to go forward. All right. <clears throat> a disturbing experience that was unexpected, such as loss in the family, sexual or domestic abuse. These moments are designed moments by our enemy to keep us in a state of panic and depression, or in other words, anxiety. The molester that molested you, the enemy knew he was a molester. The abuser, the verbal abuser that you married or you dating right now, he knew she was a verbal abuser. Most of the things that we have experienced that had traumatic effects, he designed it. Because he knew, not just Satan, we're not saying Satan is omnipresent. <clears throat> His system has set up in different compartments through our eating, through our uh, philosophies, through our communities, different series of habits that these cultures practice. There's habits in the African-American culture. There's habits in the white culture. There's habits in the Latino culture. There's habits in the Asian culture that has been permeated from generation to generation. A series of habits that has a series of hurt. So what happens is he knows, hey, if I take the fathers out of these homes, if I have both parents in these homes, but things, but they're not observing their child, it's going to naturally cause a series of events that's going to produce a series of opportunities for traumatic experiences. A lot of people used to envy. I used to envy people who had their dad in the home until I realized that some of the people who had both parents in the home are are still going through traumatic experiences, even though they got a dad there, even though they got their mom there. So we got to get to a place where we stop envying what other people have because you don't know the trauma that they're going through behind closed doors. These moments are designed moments by our enemy to keep us in a state, to keep us in a state of mind. A state of mind is the way, is the way you think. North Carolina is North Carolina. South Carolina is South Carolina. This state of mind is depression. This person's depressed. This state of mind right over here, lustful, that's the state. That's where they live. To keep us in a state of panic and depression. He knows if I suppress you in depression from what traumatically affected you in the back, through that person, that's why he uses people because because. What happens is these people got these ticking time bomb issues, these undealt with issues. They love to use them to affect the other, the said person who's immature, insecure, or ignorant. 
So what happens? An ignorant young girl gets with an older, lustful man, and all of a sudden, now a traumatic experience happens. Now that person has wrapped in their mind that person's name, that person's look, and it almost affects who they marry. Now they don't even want to marry nobody that looks like them. They don't want. They're so traumatic it affects all their choices. That's why we have to be very careful, parents, where you put your children, where you allow your children to go, because there are ticking time bombs where people who can't control themselves are being used by the enemy to, to hurt people. Because listen, the next sentence, the enemy knows the effects of trauma. He knows the, un unfor the unfortunate feelings they birth. And his goal is for us to be forever connected to that experience or individual for the rest of our lives. I was talking to someone that was 38 years old. And their decisions right now are completely derived from what their father did to them when she was when they were 10. I said, you mean to tell me 26 years of your life of decisions, of choices are birthed out of what happened to you at 10? Do you believe that God has greater power over the power that that person has placed you under? And we got to get to a place where we say, God, break these, change the way I see the things. Let me look at it in a survival mindset that I survived. The enemy knows the effects of trauma. He knows the effects of the unexpected. The enemy knows the effects of trauma. He knows the unfortunate feelings they birth. And his goal is for us to be forever connected to that experience or individual for the rest of our lives. No matter what, you're going to be connected to it. <clears throat> At least have a proper connection to it. That, that, that man's going to be your father no matter what. Nothing's going to change that man being your father. Nothing's going to change that woman being your mother. Ain't nothing going to change them being your aunt. But you can change from it. You got to understand that, yo, that is true, what happened to me when I was young. And the reason why it's difficult is because when you are a child and you're going through your phases, six-year-old, let's talk about the phases of our lives, key ages, five, no, six, 12, 16, 18, 21, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, 60, 70, etc., are key transitional years. They say by the time you're the age of six, your personality has already developed, right? I'm getting all these notifications on my computer. Your, no, your um, personality has already developed. Then you get to about 10 or 12. Now you're hitting puberty. Now you in that phase where you like, man, I'm changing. 16 is another year. 18 is another year. 21 is another year. And in no span of time, perspectives change. Values change. Now you're 16. You're not valuing the Barbie cartoons you used to watch as a kid. You don't value that no more. Now your values <clears throat> is what's surrounding that, that generational, seasonal season of individuals, right? And as you continue to mature and transition to different ages and different values and different <clears throat> patches of life, emotions increase, 
questions increase. And if those questions are not answered and salvation is not present and sanctification is not actively working with your cooperation, then those emotions become even more inflamed and those memories become even more hardened in your heart. And now it almost seems too hard to break, but Christ can break it all. You got to get to a place where you forgive yourself, you forgive that person, and you understand forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Forgiveness is not a gift for somebody else. Forgiveness is a gift to you. Give yourself the opportunity to go forward. Unforgiveness causes you to be stuck at an old age, I mean, at an at a, at a, a older time. Forgiveness gives you the opportunity to go forward. And if you don't forgive, then you only hurting yourself. I got a lot of ground to cover. Let's keep going. His goal is to use the trauma to open doors in your mind where he can organically allow the natural effects of the experience to continuously plant seeds of thoughts that will eventually grow into multiple strongholds. That's a very meaty a dense sentence. Hear me closely. His goal is to use the trauma. Okay, your dad did that. Bet now we got something to use. Oh, because they they listen to you. What you what you write in your journal. What you write in your diary. They listen to what you say in the car on the way to work. Oh, that's still affecting you. So I'm gonna use your trauma to open the door in your mind, because he knows that organically there are natural effects. That spawns from those experiences. If a man, if a young man is touched at a certain age, he knows it's going to spawn lustful attachments to men, lustful uh, uh, abuse towards women. There are organic, natural effects of molestation. There are natural, organic effects of rape. There are natural, organic effects of home abuse. There's natural, organic effects of any traumatic experience, the loss of a loved one. There are natural, organic experiences without a root system in God that naturally spawns from those experiences. Where he can organically allow the natural effects of the experience to continuously plant seeds of thoughts that will eventually grow into multiple strong. He knows, listen, nothing by the enemy and nothing by God is wasted. You got to choose who's your trash man. You got to choose who the person that picks up your recycling. God and the devil don't waste anything. So God says, I'm not going to throw that traumatic experience out. I'm not going to waste that. I'm going to use that. And if you give it to the wrong recycler, the enemy is only going to recycle that back in your life to organically plant seeds in your mind, making you feel like you're nothing, making you feel like you too hype about yourself, making you feel insecure, making you feel unwanted, making you feel rejected, making you feel rebelled. That happened to me. He utilized the, the traumatic experience of growing up in a single parent home without a father He'll use that to organically affect my mind of abandonment. He said, oh, you still struggle with abandonment? Now, I'm going to make you get attached because abandoned people want to be around people. So what he does is I'm going to use this abandonment and I'm going to bring this person who's only going to be your friend for a year and I'm going to have them leave. I'm going to have you develop a team and that whole team is going to leave. Oh, you thought that was the last team that was going to leave? A second team is going to leave. Oh, you still struggle with abandonment? Let's make the third team in his ministry leave. 
believe. So what happens is now you start thinking, oh, abandonment is a part of my life. But when I dealt with that issue, I don't care who leaves my life. I am so content in God that he can no longer use abandonment against me. If you don't want him to use it against you, address it, put it on the mercy seat, give it to God and let him deal with it. I'm telling you, what you don't address will undress you. It would just make you more bare, more, more vulnerable, even with deeper issues. Okay. He needs tangible things. Hear me closely. He needs tangible things and experiences in order to build intangible mental ties. He needs a person touching you. He needs a person affecting you to ensure he has a tie here. He can't tie you with invisible things. He ties you with impressionable physical things. He has to hit you. She has to touch you. She has to reject you. We have to get people who are insecure, immature, ignorant as well to come together and thank you for giving and affect each other. Let me let me bring this hurting woman to date this hurting man and let them hurt each other. And then when they break up and they get even deeper in hurt, let's take them to another person and get hurt and deepen the hurt. And then they break up and deepen the hurt and deepen the hurt and deepen the hurt. Because I gotta, I gotta make sure this seed of rejection becomes a stronghold. I gotta make sure this seed of abandonment becomes a stronghold. The right perspective unties those things out of your mind. Now, it don't matter who does what, I'm secured in Christ. Well, Jesus ain't never gonna leave me. That's why you cannot put nobody above God because whoever you put above God can be and will be used against you. Right now, you can remember every negative traumatic experience you ever had with a person. And right now, you either feel nothing, a lot, or a little emotion about the experience. Right now, we're going to go through exercise. I, I got the next paragraph is powerful. Right now, with every negative experience you have experienced, you have some kind of connection to it. Or you can remember it. You either feel nothing. I don't feel nothing about it. I'm over it. You feel a lot. Oh, man, I'm really messed up about this, coach. Or you feel a little bit. A little is just as bad as a lot. Well, no, little. It's not bad as a lot, but a little is still dangerous. There are three emotions you are feeling right now. From that negative experience in your past that was traumatic, you are either feeling three things right now. You are either feeling negative, numb, or new. Woo! You are either feeling negative, numb, or new. In every, in every, <laughs> so like from, from the South, from South, uh, South America, from every, in every negative encounter with the person, you would be led to one of two extremes. So when you go through a negative experience, it's natural. You're going to feel negative. You're not going to feel good. You're not going to be happy. You know what I'm saying? If something happens to someone you love, you're going to be hurt. The question is, what kind of hurt? Are you depressed or are you just sad? Sadness is not a sin. The Bible says weep with those that weep. Weeping is not a sin. Depression is a sin. It spawns into other sins. Depression 
Oh man. If you know if you're in a depressive state when you feel like you cannot live with what, what has left. So when that thing has left, you can't live. You start questioning your identity, you start questioning your purpose, you start questioning life. Anytime you're questioning life, you're in depression. There are three emotions you are feeling right now. You're either feeling negative, numb, or new. In every negative encounter with the person, you will be led to one of two extremes, either numb or new. Satan wants you numb. God wants you made new. Numbness is a negative effect from a negative experience. Numbness means hardness, and it is one of the final stages of bitterness. Being indifferent doesn't make you different in a good way. It makes you stagnant. Let's stop there. Either, either you numb to it, still negative about it, or you knew. God wants to make like the scraps. God knows how to make beautiful things out of scraps. He takes a little bit, he takes the scraps from your past, the scraps right now, and he's making something beautiful for your future. So either you allow the situation to make you new or in the devil's area, make you numb where you just hard hearted. I'm hard. I'm, I'm upset. I hate this person. I hate unforgiveness. Hate anger is the fruit of numbness or, or not numbness, but hardness. Numbness means hardness. And it's the one of the final stages of bitterness. I'm numb to it. I'm, I'm, I still hate that person. I'm unforgiving, but I'm numb to it. Like, like I, don't, I don't want nothing to do with that person. Many of us are still suffering from the effects of trauma. You can't change what happened. You can't. You can't change what happened, but you can change what happens from here. You can't change what happened. All you can do is change what happens from here. Have you forgiven that person? Have you let that experience go? Like I tell everyone, it could have been worse. You could have died. If you are alive, then you survive. Say that again. I'm alive. I survive. Lost my place. Got so excited. Let that traumatic experience go and forgive them so that God can use that traumatic experience to make you into a new person. God sees the positive. Hear me. God sees the positive in every negative situation. It hurt God when that hit you, but it didn't catch God off guard. God can see the positive. From every situation, I'm going to use that. She don't know it yet. She's 10 and she's crying, but I collected those tears. She's crying, but I collected them. He's crying, but I'm collecting them. But, oh, I can't wait till she turned 28 to see what, to see the person I'm making her into and see what I got for. I can't wait till he turns 30 to see what I did from that situation, to see the ministry that I gave him, to see the business that I helped her create, to see the vision that I gave her from that experience. I can't wait till she gets 32 and sees how that abandonment issue, that rejection, that rape, uh, that, that dramatically affected her, that came unexpectedly. I can't wait till she see the millions of women she helped. I can't wait till that young man see the traumatic experience being turned into a transformative process that now leads him to be a leader in his community. He can't wait for you to see that. Woo. Oh, no eye have seen. No ear has heard. 
neither has entered into the heart of man the things he has prepared for those who love him fall grow and not fall in love with God grow in love with him <clears throat> because love perfect love casts away all fear People are afraid to be themselves because of what happened in Matt 4. They're afraid to move forward in God. Perfect love. Be perfected by God's love so that you can go forward. And this is something I live, so I know. I know. But I'm free now. Now when I'm in that public elementary school and I'm around kids who live in, in, in the same home style I used to grow up in, who are poor, who are going through, hey, man, look at Mr. Azzy. I ain't your favorite rapper. I ain't making millions, but I'm making impact. <clears throat> we got to be the examples of survivors. If you still, not, not the life of surviving, the life of survivors. No, no, we... So many people, I'm surviving. Nobody wants to hear a surviving story. People want to hear a story where you survived it. That's why I don't hide my, my scars. It's a difference. A wound and a scar are two totally different things. A wound is a fresh hurt. A scar is a past hurt. You show your scars and let people know who healed you. What we most what we do in the church is, oh, I don't want nobody to see my scars. I'm holy. I was always holy. I came out the womb praying. I was interceding for. I was holy. No, 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 no. Show your scars. Parents need to show their children their scars. We gotta show the generation behind us our scars. We gotta show our friends our scars. What did Jesus show the disciples first? No, 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 I'm about to preach now. I'm about to preach now. Thomas, who was doubting Jesus, what was the first thing? What erased, ooh, what turned doubting Thomas to, 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 to disciple Thomas? He showed him the holes in his hand. He said, bro, you don't believe? Let me show you my scars. Come see my scars, Thomas. This me. It's the OG. This, this Jesus in the flesh, bro. Look at my. And when he felt the holes, he believed. He believed. People's belief increase when they see your healed scars, your healed wounds. Why do you think God doesn't erase scars in our physical body? Because he knows scars shows you. Yeah, they showed you a place. Where it, yes, that scar reminds you where you got hit. You know, when you get whoopings, you got that scar. That scar reminds you of that whooping. That scar reminds you of that. That scar, this scar reminds you of this. But you know, even though it, it shows you, even though it um, even though you can even though it shows you something in your past, it shows you that it's healed. But so many people are poking at wounds with their words, poking that wound with their thoughts, poking them wound with them words, poking their wounds with their thoughts, poking, poking poking. If you keep poking that issue, instead of addressing that issue, you'll never get healed. God sees the positive in every negative situation. He allows things to happen or allows the consequences of our sin to take their duration because he can see ways those two can be used for our good. 
The fact that you survive lets you know that God is still sowing. He's still sowing something together. He's putting something together. If you love God and have embraced his purpose for you, then you are guaranteed to be made new from these experiences. Romans 8, 28. But if you are mad at God and or still sinking in the effects of those experiences, then you will never know what it means to be free. When we don't forgive, we allow a negative soul tie to build, leading to a stronghold in our lives. I have two questions for you in the book. But let me break that last sentence down. A lot of you all possibly are mad at God for what happened. Well, if God was so great, why did he allow it? God was great enough to ensure you live through it. People get so mad. Well, God, I'm mad you let this happen. But, 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 but God was still good enough to help you survive it. It's your choice to allow his saving work to change the way you see that issue. Be very careful what you do when you're mad at God. Because God can save you from your sins. He has and he will. But he doesn't always save you from those consequences. People make dumb decisions when they're mad at God, but they don't praise God for the fact that they are alive. It could always have been worse. There's some people out here who's going, go find somebody who survived what you went through and hear their story, read their books, watch their videos, Lord leading you to. Don't just go watch everybody, but go and ask God, if you got it, if you still hurting and you need help, God, bring me around somebody that's been healed from this so that I can have hope. Healing brings hope. Two questions I want you to answer before I get to the people to avoid connections with. What traumatic experiences have you experienced in your life and how are they affecting you now? I want you to write that in that box. In what ways could those traumatic experiences be used for your good now? That's the way you change the way you think. Write down your traumatic experience. Yep, this happened. Yep, yep. Then in the other box, I want you to write down ways those traumatic experiences can be used for your good now. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Believe that. Now, people to avoid connections with, and I'm done. Real quick, because I've been going an hour and 21 minutes. Thank you guys so much for rocking with me. Um, um, People to avoid connections with, to avoid the unnecessary stuff. And I got an acronym for people, P-E-O-P-L-E. People to avoid connections to. Number one, problematic people. Problematic. If you always see, pro if, if problems are automatic in their lives, that means they're problematic. If there's always problems, it's like an automatic thing, stay away from those people. Pressuring people, people <clears throat> like, like your family who's trying to press you into a marriage, avoid those people. And if it's hard to avoid them, avoid them here. Do not allow their words to affect you. Have a thick skin mentally. You got to have perspective points in your mind that helps you deal with the darts that are flying at your, at your way from friendly fire. Most of the stuff that's hurting us is not fire from our foes, but it's friendly fire. We got shot by our own person, our own family. We got shot by someone that's supposed to be on our team. You got to be able to avoid and keep out of your mind friendly fire from family and friends. So what happens is when they when 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 Satan threw a dart at Jesus, he threw the word back at him. So sometimes you ain't got to throw the word back at them because they ain't even gonna listen. They're gonna keep doing it. So that doesn't mean you don't spend time with them. You just limit your time around them. But you got to make sure you change the way you think. 
and know for a fact, what does the word of God say about this? I told the young ladies, look at their life. If their life don't match their advice, ignore them. If, if they're pressuring you and they're not happily married and you know it, don't, don't entertain it. Pressuring people. And other people to avoid connection. Now, I'm, I'm not saying avoid connection means bond, friendship, relationship, uh, 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 companionship, uh, friendship, relationship. We're talking about connections. We're not talking, people. there's going to be pressuring and problematic people around you at your job, in your family. We're talking about connection. We're talking about being friends with. We're talking about being in a relationship with. You got to, if, if their problems are automatic, get away from them. If they're pressuring, get away from them. And next P, non-promoters. People around you that always got something negative to say about your productivity. You got to don't be connected with those people. They're, they're trying to sabotage your idea because they know they, they know I got to have control. So if I talk bad about their dream and make them give up on it, they'll stay here. You got to be around people who support you. Non-supporters or non-promoters. You got to watch out for them. Why? I've been around. I told you my idea. My business started and my ministry started and you ain't supporting. People love supporting nothing. <laughs> People love supporting nothing. People who do nothing love supporting nothing. So when you doing nothing with their doing nothing, then they don't got nothing to say because you're around. But start doing something and see who your real friends are. Because those people who, who see you going up and start your business but won't buy a shirt, they see your business taking off and they want discounts. No. When a, when my, one of the young men that works at me, Mr. Mo, man, I buy his shirts. It don't matter what his price is. That's my brother. It doesn't matter what anybody do around me. What's the full price? If they're asking for discounts, don't sell them nothing. I, it is, I'm telling you. No, no, no. Family, listen to me. Stop asking your entrepreneurial son, your entrepreneurial daughter, your person in business and person in ministry. Stop asking for discounts. Support them. I don't care if they if their stuff is $60 overpriced. Support them. <laughs> hey, people who do nothing like to surround themselves with people who do nothing because it makes them feel comfortable for doing nothing. E. People to avoid connections with those with high ego and high emo, high ego, high emotions. Avoid those people. If she got emotional problems and he got ego problems, don't connect with them. You don't want to connect with someone that's ego, who's got a strong ego. They're narcissistic. They've been spoiled. Life is about them. Or no, do you want to be connected with a woman who hasn't been healed emotionally and she's high octane in her emotions? You got to not, because if you connect with a person with ego, you're going to get tired of being around them. You get so caught up with someone with, with emotions, high emotions, they're going to they're, they're slap you. She, 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 she's got bad emotions. You better not have no knives around her. You better not have no throwing objects around her. He got ego problems. He ain't going to be faithful because now he has to go from woman to woman to woman to boost his ego. You got to be lowly. You got to be humble because if, if your identity is in how many girls you can have, how much money you have, you're going to live a horrible life. We must do that when others want in order to have what others don't. That's right. People to avoid connections with, those who envy. If you hear them envying somebody else, trust me, soon they will envy you. People to avoid connections with, oh, the opportunist. 
the opportunists. People only around you for opportunities. No, you got to be, listen, I, don't, I only want people around me who are for me. I don't want to be around opportunists. I don't want to be around people that, oh, oh, you preaching in front of church now? Oh, oh, I didn't know you did this. Oh, oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh, oh, I didn't know you did this. When you got those kind of people, like, oh, oh, I don't, I didn't know you do this. And now the eyes get big. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a partnership, if I can make, if I can gain opportunity, we both can gain opportunity, then we can go forward. But, but if you only around me for opportunity, you ain't here for me. Oh, no, no, no connection. You don't want to, some people are in relationships with opportunistic people. They're only dating you because they want to get to the, to the guy you work for. They're only dating you because they want to be invested in your family. He's only dating you because he knows your dad runs this firm. She's only dating you because you got that bag that's going to be inherited to you. They're not married to you for you. They're married to the opportunities that come with you. Now, there are opportunities and blessings that come with you, but that should be third or fourth on their list of love for you. You got to love me. You just can't love the opportunities that come with me. People to avoid connections with the open mouths, the open mouthers, the open mouthers. Lord, if they talk too much, that means they ain't doing much. I don't want to be in connection. You're going to be talking about stuff that ain't got to do with purpose. You're going to be talking about stuff that don't got to do with nothing. People always got their mouth open, always talking, always got something to say, always gossiping, always, always, always got something to say. Man, do you do you got something to say about your way, your way of life? Don't build connection with those people because if you talk to those people, what you say to them will be said to others. People to avoid connections with? P, the prideful. Avoid the proud. If you hang around the proud, you'll fall like the proud. Avoid people who praise too much. Why are you celebrating me too much? If you, listen, I want to be around people who, who are, just as good at celebrate as they are in a, 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 a council. I don't want to be around people who always celebrate me. Man, you too into me. Are you an opportunistic person? Why are you celebrating me so much? Are you not able to criticize me? Are you not able to counsel me and critique me? Are you are you able? Why is everything so good? Why are you praising me? I, I, don't, I ain't that dope. Watch out. Don't be connected to people that praise too much. They puffing your head up too much. And all of a sudden you floating and you and you you all out of the out of the uh common sphere, the common sense sphere. P people to avoid connection with people with poor character. I need to know who you are. In other words, poor character people are unpredictable people. No, 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 man. I need to know who you are. One day you're Superman, and the other day you're Batman. Who is you? Are you Superman or you Batman? Are you Thor or are you Wolverine? Who is you? If, 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 if they can't, if they are not who they are, then you need to go, come away from where they are. People to avoid connections with L, the lazy. People who got something to do, don't be around lazy people because they're only going to envy you. They're only going to have something to say about you. Don't be in connection with a lazy man. If you listen, you listen. Don't marry no man who's lazy, and don't marry no woman who's lazy. My wife works. I work. I got. I gotta be. I gotta be with someone that works. 
I thank God I'm married to a woman that works. We're not talking about have to work. We're talking about who works her craft. <clears throat> you better look at that person. Listen, and don't marry somebody whose work ethic is strong in a way that's not God's way for them. Lazy when it comes to things of God, but very productive with the things that are not against. That's not a God. They're making money, but they're not going in the right direction. You better avoid lazy people. You better not get in connection with a lazy person. People to avoid connections with lookers and lingerers. They can't keep their eyes focused on nothing. They're always looking. They're always scheming. They're always lingering around, ain't doing nothing. Basically going with lazy. People to avoid connections with lustful people. You don't want to be married to a lustful man or a lustful woman. You don't want to be friends with a lustful person. Then you become friends with benefits. You thought you was just a friend. Now he, he said you was just a friend. You ain't no friend no more. You He wants benefits now. She wants benefits now. You got to avoid the lustful or the overbearing, desiring people. They're greedy. They're 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 sexual. They're they're emotional. You gotta if you got overbearing desires, how do I not know? They sane one day, got they in a right mind one day, and then they're in a wrong mind the next day. You gotta avoid lustful people. People are full of lust. You gotta avoid <clears throat> liars. Don't be. Don't connect yourself with liars. Don't lie with liars, because if they if they got lying in them, they're gonna lie to you. People to avoid connection with loose lip people. That goes with the open mouth. Oh, I think oh, open mouthers. The loose lip. They talk too much. People to avoid connections with those who don't love God. How can you sustain your commitment to God if they're not committed to God? We're talking about connections. There's people you work with that ain't gonna love God. That's work. We're talking about deep personal connections. Last but not least, E, people to avoid connections with, energy suckers. If you always feel drained around them, then you got to leave them. You want to you be connected to someone that pours just as equal as you pour into them, if not more. You want to be around people who got good energy. Like, man, if you negative Nancy and negative Nathan, and every time I'm around you, I got to hear about what happened back in 1947. I don't got time. I don't got time. I don't got time to be around people that drink. You leave the conversation. You're like, man, I'm tired. I feel like I work eight hours a day. Not only did you work eight hours, now you don't, now you don't, now you don't, now you look, now you got the weight of a person that worked 15 hours listening to them. People to avoid connections with, the energy suckers. Last but not least, people to avoid connections with, the erratic. Anger, lust, bam, they just all over the place, they're erratic. Unnecessary things happen to those who are always around the problematic or are problematic themselves. Pressuring, non-promoters, high ego, high emo, envy, opportunistic people, open mouthers, Prideful praise too much, poor character, lazy, lingerers, lovers, not lovers of God, lustful liars, loose lips, energy sucker, erratic people. You got to also ask yourself the question, am I problematic? Am I pressuring? Do I support those and promote those who are succeeding around me? Do I have a balance and ego and emo? Am I envious? 
Am I opportunistic? Am I is my mouth open too much? Am I prideful? Am I am I do what do I just praise people so much and I don't know how to hold nobody accountable? Do I got good character or do I have poor character? Am I lazy? Is my eyes loose and I'm lingering all the time? Am I lustful? Am I a liar? Do I truly love God? Is my lips loose? Am I, am I sucking people's energy and never energizing no one? Am I erratic? It's that simple. God wants us to be properly connected to each other. Next, we're going to talk about the power of touch, how touch affects people negatively. I pray this was a blessing to you. Hope you got something out of it. If you want to be a part and you want the activities and you want to follow along in the book, you can get this book now, The Purpose of Freedom on Amazon. Um, and also, if you want coaching on singleness, on relationships, on your relationship with God, on branding or mark whatever coaching and this video was like yo i need to have someone to help me with my nuance i gave you a broad thing here but if you want me to help you with your nuance go to my website i am unplugged.com i a m u n p l u g g e d.com and i would love to help you and support you um books and card games are are, are will be in the description box after this video is going but for those who's watching live Everything you need to know about what I do and who I am is at IamUnplugged.com. Love you guys. Uh-oh. Well, y'all, y'all, y'all know how to, y'all know, y'all know me. Y'all know me. Coach, how do you get out of the habit of being lazy? Laziness is a mindset because a, per- a person has lost purpose, a sense of purpose. The enemy wants us lazy because he knows that productivity is a threat to his kingdom. Um, How do you get out of the habit of being lazy? By being intentional and being productive. Find one thing that you can do every day or five to six days out of the week that's productive, whether it's uh, uh, exercise. Because when you begin to feel the endorphins, when you begin to feel the energy, when you begin to feel the fruit of productivity, you don't want to be lazy anymore because you know, laziness is a fruit of insecurity. Why don't you want to do it? Why don't you want to go forward in it? You got to find the reason why you're lazy. I have a course for you. That's free on my website of how to, Oh, how to stop procrastination. That, uh, that course is free. I have about 15 videos and worksheets. Watch that course. Sign up for that course today. It's free. Go to IamUnplugged.com. Scroll and you'll see courses. Hit the course button and sign up for that website. Sign up for that course. And, and, and I'll go even in greater detail about procrastination. Love you guys. Got to go. Um, You want coaching? Hit me up. Books, card games, all on my website. Um, Love you guys. I'll see you next week. We're going to talk about how touch causes us to be unhealthily soul tied to people. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for these young men and women who are watching me. I pray you keep them and sustain them. Give them hope and trust in you. Letting them know that it doesn't matter what traumatic experience they have gone through. You are faithful. You are near the brokenhearted. You are, you are able to help them. But Lord, give them the strength through your spirit to understand that they have to cooperate and allow the work that a patient has to be uh, at rest in order for the surgeon to do surgery. Help bring rest to them, God, so that you can do the surgery 
I come against all restlessness. I come against all fear. Every demonic spirit in the sound of my voice, I come against you through the authority of Jesus. You are, you will loose them. They will have freedom. They will have a different perspective of the problems of their past, and they will be successful in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is against you. Heavenly Father, I turn my attention back to you. I thank you uh, for the manifestation of that authority that has been executed through me. And I thank you, Father God, for fulfilling your promise and that your spirit will birth fruit in their lives. And just then we do pray. Amen. Love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Um, love you guys so much. Um, I do this for you. Um, this video is available to you. Watch it. Listen to it over and over again. And uh, see you guys next week. Oh, I haven't forgot about the Tuesday and Wednesday videos. Um, uh, the, I'm going to do a video on uh, self-worth. Uh, Lord willing this weekend and I will do a what should I do weekend when I don't do them on Wednesdays I'll do them on the weekend so what should I do weekends with your questions I'll be there gotta go guys love y'all peace